You're listening to Unbound from Northeast Kansas Library System. To learn more about us and our regional library system, please visit nekls.org. Today on Unbound, we're talking with Jennifer McCauley, Youth Services Coordinator at McPherson Public Library. Hi, Jennifer. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good, too. Thank you. Would you please introduce yourself for our listeners? Well, yes, I am Jennifer McCauley. I am the Youth Services Coordinator for the McPherson Public Library, and I've been here for six years now. Um, And before this, I worked at the Great Bend Public Library. And before that, I was at the Pottawatomie Wabunsee Regional Libraries. So I've kind of been in a lot of different places in the state. Cool. Thank you for that. And how would you characterize the different libraries you've worked at? Maybe, you know, like population size and were you always working with teens and tweens and all of those positions, that kind of thing? When I, when I first started at, at Potwab, um, it, you know, it's definitely smaller libraries and very different from now because we had eight different locations and some of those might've been only open a day or two a week. Um, But it was my hometown library that I grew up with since I moved to my small town of Eskridge, Kansas, when I was like five. So it was nice to give back to a library that meant so much to me. And there I was collection development consultant. So I did not work with teens, but I did start the library's first teen collection of materials. And before that, I'd worked at a high school while I was finishing my master's thesis So it was kind of nice to get back to working with teens when I moved to Great Bend, where I did get to work with teens and do library marketing and a bunch of other things. But yes, I I particularly enjoy that aspect of my job. Great. Thanks for that. Jennifer, for better or for worse, or maybe both, how has the pandemic affected your library's teen services? You know, initially it ground it to a halt. Um, When it first started, I had conversations with teen who attended most regularly and none of them had any interest in shifting to a virtual platform. Um, They wanted that face-to-face time. And I I fully respected that because I I do too. That's the ideal. Um, We tried some virtual with little to no success, um, which was no surprise. I mean, they told us they didn't want to come to it. So right now, our only virtual program for teens has been our Project Lit Book Club, um, which is actually open to anyone, but the titles are all middle grade and high school level. So they're definitely with teens in mind. Um, We had our first meeting in September and our second meeting is tonight um, on Zoom. And we actually had teens attend last month. So I'm calling it a win. Um, The adults outnumbered the teens, but it's a good start. Um, And next month, we should be back in person with that meeting, at least. Um, The pandemic, we also tried the grab-and-grow craft options, but even that was not as big of a hit as we had hoped. Um, I think the biggest way that it's shifted our teen services, and honestly, all of our youth services in general, is that the pause and regular programs has allowed us to step back and really look at them. So when we do resume the program side of things, it's going to look different. One particular service that's getting a much needed overhaul is our task program, which is our our teen advisory group, the the teen advisory squad of Kansas. We've scrapped the old structure and we're relaunching it. So we now have more of a committee-based structure and I'm using committee for lack of a better word. It's it's in there somewhere, but I can't think of what it needs to be called. That sounds less like adulty and official. 
So we have a collection development committee and it allows those teens that really love reading to focus on just that aspect that they love about us. So they can help create book reviews for the website and social media and book displays and book lists and eventually book trailers for our underutilized YouTube channel. And they also get to borrow my advanced copies of books that I get from the publishers and tell me whether or not I should buy them, which helps save me time. So um, it's it's been kind of nice to, to shift that program so our teen services becomes even more of a reflection of the teens as opposed to our perceptions of them. Thank you for uh, letting us peek behind the curtain on that. I was hoping you'd talk a little bit about some of the developmental differences between tweens and teens and how your library serves those two different groups and their their various needs. I could go on about this for a while, so you may regret this question. Um, yeah. I'm going to answer using the most widely used age ranges, so tweens being that 9 to 12 or, or middle grade, if we're using literature-based terms, um, and teen about 13 to 19. So tweens are approaching puberty and beyond the physical changes, we see those emotional and mental ones too. So with the physical changes, we start to see them spending more time with their physical appearance and start seeing more fears associated with that. So those self-conscious feelings um, around others kind of start up about this time. So they also start taking more risks. Um, sometimes that is a little more defiant, but I think more often than not, we see that they just start to explore more activities as they try to find themselves in what they're doing. And for that, that presents a huge opportunity for us because it's the perfect time to cater to that age range. So for tweens, it's just so important that we're mindful of being empathetic with them. So, cause they're going through a lot and they really need our patience, for my library in years past, I inherited an after-school program that was kindergarten through fifth grade. And I rolled with it because I didn't want to really rock the boat. I was rocking the boat in a lot of other areas. Um, but trying to find something that a kindergartner could do that a fifth grader wanted to do was just such a struggle. So the pandemic actually allowed us to seamlessly shift away from that. So we're going to split that school age age group so we can focus on those older tweens in a different way and give them more activities to explore that are more developmentally appropriate to that desire that they have to try different things. And with teens, they always get such a bad reputation because I think adults tend to forget what it was like to be one. And it's insanely hard because the brain starts to remodel itself during those adolescent years and it keeps going until we're in our mid twenties. And that's a significant chunk of time. And within that um, brain development, the last thing that's remodeled is the prefrontal cortex because our brain develops from back to front. And this is the part of the brain that makes the decisions. Um, so we always pounce on them because they make poor choices, but we forget that the part of the brain that helps them process the consequences of their actions is still being developed. Um, it's also where our impulse control happens. So, um, and because that's still a construction zone, they're using their amygdala for their decision-making um, much more frequently than adults do. And that's the part of the brain that's associated with emotions and acting on instinct. Uh, so every teen is going through this in a different way, but we see that trend of they can start perceiving more emotional cues of others. So we get that empathy building. Um, and they also can see things from a different perspective. So they, cause they have this increased ability to see things in both logical and abstract terms because of all of this. And so 
for that age group and the very end of the tween years um, that, you know, our library, because we let them join task, we get to encourage all that outside of the box thinking that they're able to start doing and that positive behavior and let them take some safe risks with the choices that they make. So they get to develop programs and gain experience working in a group outside of a school project because the stakes are just not the same because they're not being graded and not judged in the same way. It gives them a little bit of structure, which with the brain development that they're going through, is not a bad thing, but they also get to have a little more freedom and wiggle room. And it means we get to praise them when they're awesome, which is often, honestly, they that ability for that abstract and logical, it gets us some really good programs um, that they are able to develop. So it's so fun. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, great perspectives. Do you allow any adults like parents or guardians into tween or teen programs? And what's your rationale for your decision on those? We do not generally allow any adults with the possible exception of a special needs situation where we always do our best to accommodate those requests. But those instances aside, adults are not allowed. I, I really think it's important to allow for teens to have their own space um, and their own time without sounding too very Doctor Who, doesn't it? Um, I think too often adults tend to, to judge teens simply for being themselves um, whether it be too loud or, or too enthusiastic or, or too well, anything. <laughs> I, um, I once had adults claim that teens were laughing too loud because they were playing games in our teen space and the sounds of joy were enough to trigger something. Um, and the kids, I could hear them, they were being just as loud, but it wasn't quite so emotionally upsetting. Um, so when we have programs, adults cannot attend. Um, that time is for teens to be teens. And they really deserve to that have that time for themselves without feeling like they need to self-censor because their mom is there. And honestly, it's also a safety issue. Our, our parents typically appreciate that their teens are coming here and hanging out and not with other adults aside from library staff. Um, it's, it is a safe zone for them in many ways. What have been some successful ways you've worked with other organizations in your community that serve teens? And uh, as a follow-up, do you have any future plans in mind? That is that is a good one. Uh, aside from our school, um, we do have a local group called the McPherson Coalition for Equity, Inclusion, and Diversity. Um, and they, they're the ones that kind of, they do definitely are very diverse in what they do. They started our local pride events that we have every summer. Um, and while it doesn't exclusively serve teens, it is a big part of, of their mission and making sure that they feel safe in our community. Um, and they just support them in, in so many good ways. They, they made delicious homemade treats for our high school's first ever gay straight uh, alliance or GSA meeting and sent them goodies to, to make them feel like they belong. So we were able to set up a space at the Pride event over the summer um, we met a lot of teens at this event, which was great because when we went to school to, to talk to their club, there were a lot that recognized us, you know, because we were handing out bookmarks with the materials we have. We had a sticker mosaic for them to do. We were putting temporary tattoos on people. Um, and we really want them to make sure that our teens and our families in the community feel like the library is a safe space for them. Um, and so I just really want to work a little more with groups like that. And 
honestly, I'm not sure what I hope to try next. Um, we have so many groups that do fantastic things with youth in our community. That it's kind of hard to pick a starting point. I might just send out word to a few and see who wants to work with us next um, and what we can do for them. But, you know, I've been, you know, thinking about that a lot lately, and it's, it's definitely given me something to ponder over because I just don't know what the next point on that journey will be. I would like for you to tell us about some of your favorite self-directed uh, programs, which some people call passive programs. I, I like, I do prefer self-directed or stealth, like sneaky programs, but because <laughs> passive always implies that it has no effort and it's just not the case. It's at least minimal effort, which is just great. Um, one of my absolute favorites is DIY stickers. Hands down my favorite. It's easy. It's so inexpensive and requires the bare minimum of instructions because it's contact paper, Sharpies, and maybe scissors if they need to cut it up into smaller pieces and it's done. And they're reusable. So for teens, it's like perfect to decorate their lockers because they don't damage when you pull it off. Um, and they work really well as an outreach thing too, because you can just load it all up in a kit and you're good to go. Um, another one I really love for teens is just um, like, we call them like writing walls or writing tables where you just put up a big sheet and a lot of markers and Sharpies and put a generic question and just let them free form it. And that works really well as like an art thing too, where it's kind of, I don't know, the art version of exquisite corpse, you know, where somebody starts with something and somebody else adds on. And I love those kinds of things because it doesn't require a lot of oversight from us with the exception of going to make sure nobody's put anything that they shouldn't. Um, so, but those, because it allows so much freedom of expression. That's awesome. I love those surrealist games. It's a great group activity for adults and teens alike. So thinking ahead to summer 2022, any ideas for Oceans of Possibilities yet? Um, one thing that I'm really excited about is there's the huge trend. Um, I don't know if they have like an actual name. I always call them book nooks. And they're the little boxes that go on a bookshelf in between books that have like a setting in them, you know, some kind of you know, a little house or trees or something. And I'm, I'm always loved those. And so one of the things I'm, I'm testing out right now is building one of those with kind of an ocean theme, um, using different, you know, seashells and something that will resemble sand. So I think we might use some sandpaper and stuff to kind of create that oceanscape that then teens can just nook onto their shelves as kind of a good visual escape. Um, so that's one of the things like, it's like loosely tied in with it, but it's kind of a good way to, to test out something I've already been wanting to do for teens, um, and have it very focused. Cause then it makes it a lot easier for me to buy supplies for it. If I have one general theme that I'm looking for, for decorations, that's, that's my, that's my big one. Yeah, I just cool. can't wait, but otherwise we're definitely going to be exploring, not only all things ocean, um, but, you know, loosely into like the mermaid and pirate stuff too. I think, well, I think some of that's going to creep up if we decide to do like some good writing club activities over the summer is working on some maybe different takes on how we, you know, explore mermaid mythology and stuff. Cool. Fun. Anything going on that we didn't get to talk to you about that we'd like to share? Just serve teens. Don't forget about them. Make sure that they are not an afterthought 
I think that's always the thing I want to make sure that, you know, other librarians are keeping that in mind. These are your future voters, your future donors, your future board members. And I think, you know, we need to make sure we're, we're still treating them with the respect that we would, that we would give to others that, you know, keep in mind all of those other things, brain development, how hard it is to just be a teen in general and be, be kind, be kind to them. They, they need some good kindness. Thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, absolutely, Jennifer. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Um, I love talking teen services and serving teens. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I could talk about it forever. <laughs> <laughs>